I had these grand plans of getting all these sound clips of songs that would be like taken out of context. That would be like, I think we're alone now, just the two of us, because we have no <laughs> guests today. <laughs> I know. It is some old school stuff. How many episodes did you say we've uh, done with interviews since the last one like this? I think it's been like seven or eight. Seven or eight. That's. I don't know that we've done one cool. in 2019. That's just been us. No, definitely not. Not just us. But What's going on? Oh, you know, the same old, same old. I was actually uh, working on some stuff yesterday, and then I had a, an idea strike me of like, hey, Rails needs, um, you know, a field for the generators to create a rich text field for action text. And I, like just automatically install the, the like has rich text and rich text area and that sort of thing. So then I just like, I'm going to go build that. And I did, but then I was like recording a screencast on, um, you know, how I, how I built that basically. And then I realized like, oh, I'm going to need some more tests for a few other things here. And it's not as complete as I thought. So <laughs> I like, have to go back through that. And it's now become an, a, a little bit of an ordeal as I have to, uh, you know, fully flesh out my PR. Sure. <laughs> so you're, you're trying to get that into Rails core. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it just, you know, when you do your like Rails generate model or scaffold and you have like a text column, um, right. This is actually, uh, as I'm like working on this, I'm like, this is actually the first like sort of virtual attribute. Um, Cause normally like the, the closest similar thing to this is actually a belongs to or references. So like those actually generate a column, but this right. wouldn't actually want, you wouldn't want that in your migrations or your fixtures either. So as I like built this out, then I looked at, well, I actually only focused on the model in the form field and I was looking at it. I was like, well, the fixtures are generating a column for body and the database migration is generating a column that shouldn't be there. So I guess I need to modify those. And I've learned a lot about the Rails internals and the organization of the generators in the last uh, 24 hours, which has been really fun. But yeah, I was like, well, as with any um, change that you make to a, a project as big as Rails, it's it, there's a lot more below the surface than what you like initially think is your your hunch. And I was like, "Well, crap, this is going to take a little bit longer." And it's good though; like it's uh, it's just like a great learning experience. But I, I was ambitious yesterday and was like, "Oh, cool! I'll just build that this afternoon." And now, eh, do you eh. still feel ambitious today? Yeah, I mean, it's almost done. Um, as I was recording the screencast, I was like, I'm just going to skip over these parts or these problems with the fixtures and things. Like, I'll, I'll fix those afterwards. But yeah, it was uh, it was fun. I mean, like, this will be like my third or fourth commit into Rails if it gets accepted. So I, I just want to contribute back some more. And I'm starting to feel more comfortable uh, with the Rails code base, which is quite gnarly uh to be honest like that, that repository is a lot of code and they they have some sort of structures to things that um that are just 
way over your head when you dive into it for the first time. There's a lot of one-line methods that delegate to something else and you don't really know where or what that is. And yeah, I can understand why people sort of get uh, the the scared feeling of contributing to Rails or something because yeah, it's it's hard to wrap your head around everything. One thing I've noticed going through like Rails core code when I'm needed to though is everything is really well documented. Yeah, for I mean for the most part, there's there's sure, times but- where it's like you know calling a method on some some variable and you're like, what the hell type of variable is this? You know, how do I go find where this is defined? And um, aside from those situations, like, yeah, it really, really is well documented. It's impressive. Well, that's cool. There's a lot of those like, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, when do you think you're going to have that PR ready? Um, Well, I published the PR before I noticed the, the missing pieces. So it hasn't been reviewed by anybody yet. So I'm going to try and get those. I, I was working on those uh, about an hour ago. Um, I think I have most of them done. I modified the, the migrations, and the last thing was to do the fixtures. And as far as I know, there's not any other um, places where this touches things, but there could be. So um, I think it's mostly good now once I get the fixtures just finished up. But, you know, it's uh, it's... <sighs> It's hard to know if there's other places where these um, would need to be modified or other places that this would affect things. Um, So, you know, unless you're really familiar with how Rails applies these generators, it's, uh, yeah, it it can be hard to know all the aspects that your code change would have an impact on. So I I might be missing some things too that will come up in a review or whatever, but it's what the Rails core team is for, isn't it? Right. (laughs) It's their responsibility. Well, it'll be good though. And it's like one of those things that you're going to talk with them and meet them, which is always a good thing to just have interactions with those awesome, awesome people. Yeah. Hopefully we'll get some of that in a month when we're Yeah. Yeah, I'm hoping that which is surprising. They're quite a ways. Well, I don't even remember what the proposed release date was um, for Rails, like RC1 of 6.0. But uh, I know they're quite a ways behind on the proposed dates. And I haven't heard any changes that it uh, is off track yet or whatever. They said it was still on track for, for the RailsConf release. So maybe, maybe not. We're close. Yeah, it's really close. I'm excited for RailsConf. I finally bought my ticket yesterday. Oh, your flight? No, my actual RailsConf ticket. Oh, yeah, yeah. I should double check. I'm pretty sure I bought mine, but I should double check. I bought my flight. I got the hotel room, and then I was like, well, tickets aren't on sale yet, and then (laughs) I've just been putting it off since they went on sale. Yeah, well, I may not have bought my... No order confirmation for RailsConf. So, yep, I'm good to go. I'm going to drive up, I think, with uh, our buddy Andrew, who's uh, who's going to be working with you soon, which is yeah. fun. So that's exciting. A yep. road trip. Yeah, I'm excited for RailsConf. I didn't like apply to speak or anything. I just want to go hang out. Yeah, that's cool. I thought about 
doing a talk, but yeah, I really want to, I just enjoy going to the conferences to hang out and talk with people more, even more than attending talks. It's just yeah. fun to chat with people. They call uh, it what the hallway track. Yeah. 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 I love that. Um, yeah. I, I didn't want to spend the money to go to microconf, but there was like six people that messaged me before microconf and was like, Hey, are you going to microconf? And I was like, uh, I guess I should. I'm definitely going to go next year, but it's just like, this was what this past week or something yeah. this week, I think. So, you know, there's that, that's going to be a couple grand to go out to Vegas and stay for several days and fly and all that. And then you got RailsConf and if you're doing any vacations on your own, you know, that just adds up really fast. And so it's just kind of uh, something that I I should do it, but then I'm also kind of from, from the early days of doing go rails and making no money. Um, still a little scarred, scarred from those days. <laughs> Yeah. It's kind of funny, but yeah. You know, cool. I went to the starter one, which is not the one you'd go to because you have a business, but I went a couple I years ago. Starter starter could be cool too, just in case any, you know, go rail subscribers were were in starter. I thought that would be interesting if yeah. Uh if I met anybody there. So yeah, you you like it? Yeah, it was fun. It's it's hard to justify the cost, like when you have no, like side business. Yeah. Uh, I thought about going again this year, but it like, it was the week after our team retreat at work, and so Shannon was oh, like, right. "Not just no, but like hell no." So. <laughs> yeah, you be gone for a couple weeks then. Yeah, more or less. I'm excited for RailsConf. Yeah, me too. How was your team retreat? It was cool. We went to New York. I've never been to, well, at the time I had never been to New York before. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Where'd you guys, uh, where'd you guys go in New York? We stayed in Brooklyn. Uh, we worked in Brooklyn at a WeWork and then I went to Manhattan a couple of times. I have a friend who lives there. Uh, so like that makes it easier to go to a big city like that when you Mm -hmm. know someone. Yeah. Yeah. That was uh, when I moved to New York city for the year. It was certainly a, a scary move. That's a big, big place. And it's just such a life. Life is very different there. Like you don't do your own laundry because your building doesn't have laundry machines and stuff. And, you know, it's just strange. Like it's a different whole different lifestyle than, um, than not living in a dense city like that. Sure. Yeah. It was a little overwhelming. Uh, in Memphis, we drive everywhere for the most part, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. unless you like live in Midtown or downtown. And so, and like, even then, you probably need to. These, these smaller cities are a lot, a lot more spread out. Yeah, and so we we did a lot of walking, which was cool, but like it's hard on my big old frame. So like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh man, yeah, I remember how much walking I did. I used to take the train in on the weekends and just get off at a random stop and just wander around. Cause there was always some crazy stuff going on there. It's fun. Segwaying from uh, conferences a little bit. So we can talk about Southeast Ruby. Like I haven't posted anything, but 
I'm going to do that in the next like week or two. So I'm cool. Like giving all the details out on the podcast a little early. Ooh, I know. Right. <laughs> uh, so we're back in Nashville. Uh, surprise August 1st and 2nd. And we're actually like in downtown Nashville this year. Oh, cool. So we're at a place called hotel Indigo. Okay. And so like, we've got like, room blocks at like a little bit of a discounted rate and like the actual conference is there. Oh, and that's going to be nice. Yeah. So you're, you're saying we should book our rooms before the announcement so that we get our blocks. Yeah. <laughs> I, my like dream is that the block sells out. Uh, <clears throat> it's, it's not a big block, but then like around this building though, there's uh, like right behind it, there's a place called printers alley and there's like, a lot to do back there. And then it's two blocks from like the big street and Nashville Broadway, which is where like all the honky tonk bars are and stuff. Okay. That'll be awesome. Yeah. It's August 1st and 2nd. And so I'm really excited about that because we've never been like first year we were in Vanderbilt last year. We were like 20 minutes South of Nashville. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember the, the runs to and from the airport last year which were, were fun, but it was kind of a little bit out of the way in a sense. Right. Yeah. So sounds good, cool. man. Uh, we're doing things a little different this year. So last two years have been two days of talks and this year, Thursday is a workshop day and there will be two workshops in the morning, two workshops in the afternoon. Okay. And then Friday is like conference day. Cool. And so we're, we're, the way we're doing it is Friday, you can buy like conference day by itself. So you can buy Friday for, I think it's one ninety nine, And then if you want to do the workshop days, uh, the workshop day before, it's just an additional 80 bucks. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's, I seems good. Um, that'll be fun. What do you, you, you able to tell us what the workshops will be? We don't have them all nailed down yet. We've got some really good proposals. Um, my like, my like vision for it, I guess, is that um, you get something out of it, kind of like at any level. So I don't know if that's like one workshop's a little more like beginner intermediate, and the other is like more intermediate advanced, or how that's going to look. Well, these- but I also kind of want it to span maybe topics outside of Ruby, even so, even like the database, JavaScript, stuff like that. Oh, that'd be great. I really liked, uh, what was his name? Uh, Craig from Citus. Yeah. Uh, his talk on Postgres. I remember taking some good notes on that one. Um, so yeah, that would be awesome. Um, are these workshops going to be like, will there be two at a time running or are they kind of like, if you do the workshop day, you get to go to all the, the workshops. It will be two at a time running. So you'll get two workshops out of it morning okay. and afternoon. Okay. And then you can choose from which two in the morning and which two in the afternoon you want to get to. So so chances are you'll have some that are like, you know, a beginner one and a more advanced one and whatever. Uh, yeah. Something like that for each block, something roughly or whatever. However yeah, that we, works out. Yeah. We haven't figured out yet how we're going to do it, like what talks we're going to do, but uh, like the space is cool uh, because like it'll be the same room. We'll just, it has like a, I can't remember what they call it, like an air wall or something where you can partition it. 
And then it's two different rooms. So that's where oh, we do nice. workshops. And the next day it'll cool. be theater style. But yeah, I'm really excited. Um, Advi's coming back. Yeah. Is he going to keynote? He is. He's our, I assume he's our closing keynote Friday. And then we have our Thursday keynote worked out. Um, but I'll wait. I'll hold off on that one. But wait, yeah. So. There will be a keynote on uh, workshop day. No, sorry, Friday morning. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just two two keynotes, one in the morning, one in the uh evening or afternoon, whatever. Yeah. So cool. It'll what cool. uh what inspired your change uh of the style of schedule? To do a workshop day? Yeah. I wanted to provide a little more value, I guess, to like if an attendee is like being sponsored by their company to come, I wanted their company to feel they were getting a little more value out of it. Um, well, not even the company, the person too, like, cause they can learn and really like two days of conference talks. It's like, it works it is, it can be a little exhausting. Like I remember last year when we got to Friday, we had like a gap and like, I was like, Hey, do y'all want to like, finish early and everybody's like yeah and so <laughs> yeah uh, I, I remember that being a pretty exhausting two days so that makes sense yeah so like if if you don't want to do the workshops you can just come for like one day and like leave a lot leave hopefully like ant instead of like leaving tired mm-hmm. i also love the sort of 30 minutes between talks that you have versus what is it normally like 10 or 15 minutes between talks. You're kind of in a rush to get to the next room and get a seat before, you know, it starts, you don't really have time to, to really go to the bathroom or anything. It was good to, to have the, the long break. Cause you usually just turn around and start talking to whoever's sitting next to you. That was right. fun. But, yeah. That, that's something, uh, we talked about, I think with Terrence, cause he was the one that gave me the idea and somebody else gave him the idea when they were doing uh keeper be weird. Mm, but yeah, it, it, that's some of the, like, that's actually some of the most feedback we get is like people like that. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the things that's like you're building in the hallway track and people don't know it. It's right. It, especially cause it's hard for hallway tracks to happen in a single track conference. Mm-hmm. And it's not like, uh, it's short breaks too. So you're like, you have a short conversation with someone, um, versus like if it was just an hour of hanging around, uh, you probably wouldn't, you'd end up having a longer conversation with, with a few people versus like the, the short ones kind of, you end up talking to different people every, every time, which is good. Kind of mixes that up a bit, which is awesome. Yeah. So we haven't like, we haven't figured out, we're probably going to do an after party Thursday night because that would also like, if anyone is coming to just the conference and not the workshop, it'd be like a pre-party then. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're going to do that probably Thursday night. That makes sense. Yeah. We were going to do it at Hotel Indigo. They have this like awesome, awesome space for it. And then, so like we looked at Hotel Indigo on Friday and by Monday corporate I uh, was like, yeah, we're actually like repurposing that room. And I was like, no. Oh, man, that sucks. Yeah, it's all <laughs> right. It's funny how fast that stuff works. 
Yeah, yeah. So instead, you're gonna gonna have the after party at Santa's pub. Ooh. <laughs> that will be the after after party. <laughs> this is the one we don't necessarily want to invite you to, but just because we're embarrassed. <laughs> we're not saying we're going here, but, <laughs> but we'll you, be you there. Might, you might see us there. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, so I'm excited. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Uh oh, like beef food. All that stuff, all the normal conference stuff we do. I think those are the only big changes. But yeah, so well, we're limited cool. in space again. Uh, oh, parking. That's a thing that's always been an issue at our conference. So like there is parking. It's expensive, but there's lots of it around. So it's nice. Yeah, that'll be good. Does the hotel have free parking or? Uh... It's not free, unfortunately. But Oh, really? Huh. Yeah, it, they have a day rate right, though. I mean, it's still expensive. It's like seventeen bucks a day. Oh, uh, that's okay. It's not horrible. So, uh, you're only going to be there once or twice. So, right. But yeah, yeah so I'm really excited. Uh, the, we were talking with a couple of the organizers uh, for the Ruby and Rails Conf. Me and Ernie were, and they were the ones that like kind of got us into like having it at a hotel. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited to see how it goes. Cause it's different for us. You know, the last few years we've been at like, like one off yeah. venues and like we, at- do, we do everything like food set up. Uh, of course last year, you know, we had a lot of help from Ramsey, but mm-hmm. is that, year, like, so then the hotel is helping with food and, and that stuff. Yeah. So like, cool. Yeah, we're doing we I think it's like a requirement, but like we do our food and stuff through them. Uh Friday we're I don't know if this is gonna work out yet, but I'll go ahead and talk about it. Friday we're talking about instead of doing lunch like at the conference, like giving everybody like a little like lunch stipend, uh and a map of like because there's lots of places to eat around there and letting people like get out for an hour or two. Hmm. That'd be cool. Yeah, that was Ernie's idea, and it sounds pretty cool. Because um, the other problem is, like, there's no place to eat. Uh, so on workshop day, there is because like you'll have tables you can go back and sit at, like, because there'll be tables set up for the workshops. But there won't be the conference day because it's like a shotgun style venue. So like, I didn't want people to be like uncomfortable eating. Uh huh. Yeah, just in their chairs. Yeah, it sounds awful. So. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what we had last year, right, though? They had tables set up. Oh, yeah, side. that's right. They did have tables. Yeah. I remember uh, when we were at the best venue ever, Ruby. Ruby. Um, <laughs> I remember that one. Everybody was just kind of hanging around outside, standing and eating or whatever. So, yeah, yeah I can I can understand having having tables would be nice. That's for sure. But yeah, so I think I think that's what we're gonna do. Um, it's funny how just you know setting up a conference is just so many little details to worry about, and then these are things that if you haven't done it before, like where people sit down to eat lunch, is not a question you're gonna think of asking. You know, like right? That's yeah, uh. It- a lot of respect because that's, that's a lot of 
complicated stuff that you end up having to do um, just to just to throw one or two day event. It's fun. Like I get a lot of like personal value out of it, uh, but it's it is exhausting. I remember the the first year, like the day after the conference, I didn't get off my brother in law's couch like the whole day because <laughs> yeah. they live in Nashville and we usually stay with them after. But I was like, like Shannon's like, Hey, we're all going to the pool. And I was like, y'all have fun. Like, <laughs> yeah. I remember we, we ran a lot of errands during that one. It was fun. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, we're hopefully going to, I'm, I've been working on the website, like, I, but I only spent like 30 minutes here and there on it. So I got to finish it, get it up, put tickets yeah. for sale and, Hopefully doing all that. I'm going to speak at Nash RB next weekend, next week, which Sweet. is their Nashville Ruby meetup. So uh, I want to have it all done by then. So when I'm in Nashville, I can be like, hey, come to this conference. Yeah, that's Please. a great, great idea. So I thought it was nice. They asked how me many, how many people are in Nash RB? In the actual like group online, there's there's a lot of people. Um, I spoke at a meetup the first year of Southeast Ruby and there was, uh, probably like 15, 20 people at the meetup. So, well, that's not bad. No. I haven't been to our, our Ruby meetup since I organized, I used to organize it and yeah, I don't think I've been since, since then, which has been several years. It was really small. It was like you know, eight people, sometimes less, <laughs> but I don't uh, know if we've talked about it on the show. So we had that same problem in Memphis. Uh, it just became the same, like four or five people. Mm-hmm. But, but like the tech community is a lot bigger than Ruby, obviously. Like, so Memphis has a lot of like FedEx is based out of Memphis and auto zones. Like there's a lot of like enterprise kind of development happening. Yeah, And so we actually, folded our Ruby group into a larger group called dev Memphis. And it's like a more back end focus web development group. And it's been really good. There's like, it's not like we have massive numbers, but like you average between like 20, 25 people. That's way better than the same four or five. Yeah, that is nice. I think uh, there's always to the, you learn a lot from how other languages approach things. So if you're doing any backend stuff, it's going to be valuable to see, you know, how Laravel is doing something or Django or yeah. whatever, you know, I think that's uh that's wise and a good move for, for making the community a lot broader too. There's still a lot of like, individual, there's like a .NET user group. There's a PHP uh, and like a Python user group, but we were just like, nah, like Ruby's like, I probably know all the Ruby developers in Memphis. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, there's not many of us. Yeah. Yeah. So that is, uh, that is all of my Ruby event related things. <laughs> uh, I'm excited. I need to like get moving, but I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to mention. Uh, 
We kind of like established a service object pattern at work, which has been nice. Oh, cool. Uh, what was the sort of problem you guys were running into that ran that, uh, you know, caused you to be like, Hey, we should stop and do something. So there's like, there's all, I mean, there is a lot of code that's like duplicated. Um, but they've even like, they've done a really good job of like putting that stuff into like modules and stuff. But, uh, there was some like, there were a few different patterns floating around just like, I think I introduced one like just randomly. Um, so there's no like cohesive way of like dealing with business logic, I guess. And like we're growing pretty quickly. So like, it was kind of, I don't know, kind of felt like it was, uh, time to be tamed, I guess. Um, but I, all I did was just mention a gym we used to use at, or they still use at the company I was at before. It's the Interactor Gym. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Uh, I think so. I don't know that I've used it. So it's essentially like uh, a pattern for like putting business logic somewhere. Uh-huh. Um, but it puts it all like behind like a the same API. So like there's this idea of context, which is like essentially like an instance variable that stores everything. Um, and then you can like, if it doesn't fail, then like this object has a success method or a failure method and you can tell it to fail. So like if something goes wrong, you call it context.fail bang and you can give it like an error and stuff like that. Oh, um, I see. Yeah, it's it's sort of like the <clears throat> the context is just like this object of like here's the parameters and then you know the and the results like the I don't know, it's like a a wrapper around sort of the inputs and outputs. In yeah. That's, yeah. So we use, we use that a lot at, uh, at lens rentals. And so I was like, Hey, like, I don't, I don't know. This is a thing that I used before. Like I'm not like married to it, but it does make things like nice because there's also, they have a thing called organizers. So you call like this organized method and you give it other interactors and it just like, filters down through them and it shares the same context. Like when the first one finishes, like when it calls the next one, it gives it the context from the first one. And so so like, kind of like, it's like a pipeline of interactors. So like if you build these like really tiny ones, you can reuse them in different places and organize them. And I don't know. It's really nice. I'll have Um, to check this out because that seems pretty neat. And that's sort of like, I've been deep in the bowels of action text over the past couple of weeks. And um, effectively it's doing the same sort of thing where, you know, it's parsing this HTML and finding the reference to the database object and querying that. And then, you know, stripping things out. And it, it reminded me a lot of the, the HTML pipeline library mm. that I think GitHub put out originally or whatever, but it was effectively the same thing. But, you know, like, 
most people most people just used it for markdown but you didn't have to ever use it for markdown it just that was one of the things you could just drop in and be like oh you know format this from markdown to html and uh you know drop in another item into the array of we're going to process these things in this order and uh it works out really neat and that would be nice to have something like this because then you could kind of just build out your processes um like that for for as long as you had these little interchangeable things you could put in wherever you needed you could probably build a bunch of them and then connect them up for maybe stuff that the web app needs to do but then if you're in the rails console doing support for a customer or something you you know you could call a slightly different one of that or something that doesn't so send emails or something that's the dream uh is that like you can pull up like irb or like a rails console and like execute your business logic right like mm-hmm. um yeah I, I i there's a lot of conversation around that for one of our guests coming on soon i'll save but yeah um it's really cool little pattern um it's nice because like when I'm doing uh, like if the, if they're small, they're easy to test. Right. And then you can just kind of compose them and trust that like it's working. Like you might have a test for like the parent interactor, but yeah, yeah. it's a lot more confidence as a programmer, oddly. Um, and so I like talked to our CTO and he's like, yeah, let's try it. And then, like, he's actually even extended this further. He um, has, so we have a module. I don't think he's, like, published it or anything, but it's called Interactor Expectation. And you can give it, like, expected context. So, like, uh, if I have, like, this service object for authentication, right? I'm just using an example from their readme. Uh, I need an email and a password. I can say expected context, email, expected context, password. And then like when I call the interactor, if it doesn't get it, it'll just fail automatically and tell you it was missing those things. Oh yeah. It seems like, like, like validations in a, maybe a simpler sense or something. Yeah. Yeah. Just validating that like it got the right input. Um, And so that's really cool. Like, so Jamie's the one who did that. And then like Kyle, my other coworker, has been getting kind of into it and like, they are like doing all kinds of things. Like they have all these ideas for it. And I'm like, man, I just, I, y'all are so smart. <laughs> I, I just use what it gave me. Uh, but <laughs> it's cool. The things they're doing with it. So yeah. Uh, there's an interactor rails gym, which will like you make a app interactors folder. So oh, yeah, I like that's it. Cool. It's worth huh. checking out um, if you've never used it or I kind of like it better than like plain old Ruby objects because it enforces like the same API. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, you have to, you are required to follow your own rules and that I think that's, it's funny because, you know, people are so, so worried about rails, not giving you service objects and things. And it's like, well, and you can go add those, but you have to be willing to set your own rules and follow your own rules. And most people are just, you know, 
they they want the sort of hey give me the boundaries i will live inside of them but please <laughs> you know right. give me some rules this is a great one to kind of do that for you which is neat yeah that's that's fascinating because recently like i don't know i don't really necessarily want ruby to enforce rules or like rails to but i have kind of like longed for them a little bit um like i look at other languages but like it's trade-offs, right? Uh, and I don't know that I'm ready to make those trade-offs, but there are a lot of times where I'm like, man, I wish like a compiler would like catch this or uh, my IDE would give me a little more assistance. But yeah, I don't know. That's just a thought I've had recently. Yeah, you don't, you don't ever really have the ability for your IDE to do that with Ruby just because it has no idea what you know, object each variable is, unfortunately. That's what really makes it tough. And that's, uh, I mean, I think that's why, I don't know if Stripe's ever going to release it, but that Sorbet thing. Sorbet. God, I just like, every time I think about it, I'm like, you're never going to release it, are you? You're just going to tease us with this, like, you know, cool thing. I There's some value in it that's like, it, it, it just like, if you can hint at types you know a uh an ide can help you so much more and just other little things that that are beneficial but as part of the the nice thing about ruby is you can give it you can make your own weird objects that act like an array and give it to rails and rails is going to be like okay that's fine right this works yeah and and that's that's kind of like it's tough because you you either I, I feel like it is really, really nice if you're doing something crazy, but 99% of the time people are doing some normal, normal stuff. And, right. uh, you know, they, they would probably, I think that's why, you know, TypeScript and stuff is becoming so popular is because 99% of the time those people aren't creating view and they're not creating react where they're doing actually crazy stuff in the language. And so they're, they're like, well, you know, having having these like constraints actually help us just get our work done a little bit faster. And it's the the forever trade-off, I think, is like you need constraints to work quickly sometimes because um, it just gives you nice uh, nice boundaries to stay within. But then at the same time, if you are truly trying to do something creative, um, those boundaries, you have to break out of them. So... It's just a matter of like where you're at in a lot of cases, what problems are you're trying to solve and whatever. Yeah. I think too, like even beyond like working quickly, like it kind of the certain boundaries help you when you, as a project grows or like a team grows, not like shoot each other in the foot. Yeah. No like one's doing no one's doing strange things just because they can. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, and then two, like, I think types like as an example are kind of interesting because like crystal, like there's a lot of inferred types. Yeah. 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 And like that takes out and TypeScript's kind of like that, uh, from my understanding. So like that takes out some of that, like burden of, strongly typed languages but i don't know right right. it's still flexible but 
I think that's the coolest part about uh, Crystal is like, yeah, we can let you know when there's uh, a probable issue because we know it's either a string or an integer. And uh, we, we like at least have knowledge of what it is and we can go check those two things versus, oh, it's a Ruby variable. It could be freaking anything. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's, I don't know. It's something I've been thinking about a lot. I haven't really like, I've messed with Rust a little bit only because oh, one cool. of my friends, one of my friends is like really, really smart in Rust. Uh, he's one of my old coworkers. And so like, he's been kind of like preaching it uh, in a good way. And so like, I messed with it a little, but I don't know. It's the problem I always have with like trying to learn anything is that like, I just, I just mostly do web development. I just only do web development. And so like, I'm just really comfortable with rails and I don't want to get complacent, but like, I don't have any like projects or anything like, to kind of like push me to like try something new. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm kind of in the same boat and that's a, that's a tough uh, situation, but yeah, if you don't have a practical need for it, then it's kind of like, you're never really going to go that deep into it. Yeah. Like I, I think about like, like I really like interested in like functional programming. Like I'm really interested in Elixir I've been interested in closure, like even like F sharp, which like runs on .NET. Uh, I don't which know, is, but .NET is open source now, so it it runs on everything, man. You can't uh, you can't <laughs> give the old the old Microsoft angry fist. But like I I think about all <laughs> these things a lot, but then I'm like, what do I build with it? <laughs> like, yeah, um, it's tough. Um, yeah, it's one of those things. Uh, some some days I'm like, man, it'd be really awesome to just. I I still have a dream of like you know, Crystal could potentially be Ruby, but just hella fast, and still mostly the same functionality. But the reality of that is like, no, it can't because the the beauty of ERB is that uh, you know it can just load up that that file and eval it, but that's not a thing that's possible in, in crystal cause it's a compiled language. So it's got to go compile those views. And that was, uh, there was a time when it took me, I, I think they've improved this, but it took like uh, 30 seconds to compile views. Every time I saved a file, it was oh, wow. uh, in, in the Amber framework. And I was like, Oh boy, this is not going to work. And I, I know that they've improved that. Um, and I, they may be in development, like, you know, compiling that file as a module, uh, you know, on its own. And so that any change would just be really fast to compile. But yeah, it used to like recompile the whole app and then restart it, which would take 30 seconds. And I was like, well, this is not going to work for me in development at all. So I'll go back to Rails. Um, but yeah, you know, the promise of, I, I still think there's a cool potential of like in the future, you can write a scripting language or something that can get optimized down to like a C program level that just runs super duper fast. But, Mm. you know, it could just be called truffle Ruby. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No joke. So yeah. Did you you see that, uh, uh, memory thing that 
um, Hung Lee from Passenger wrote about that. Like, yeah. what was it? The, the, the memory fragmentation thing. Um, that was pretty cool. And then, and he, then there was like a fix in Ruby like the next day. Yeah. But uh, Sam Saffron uh, or whatever from Discourse, I was reading a thing he posted about that fix and it was like not not as performant uh in some production discourse apps or whatever that he had tested it on so it's kind of kind of neat uh to see that whole process and whatever to see it like tested in different apps and things and i'm sure you know that's a pretty big app and he was like trying to get GitHub and Shopify and someone else uh, to go test it as well on, on like these massive Rails apps. And I was like, this is so cool to watch, you know? Yeah, that is cool. They, they're not asking us on our little tiny Rails apps. I know. I feel, I feel left out. <laughs> my, uh, my Rails scaffold is, uh, you know, 60% faster. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> I think that's all I got. Cool. Yeah, it was good catching up on a, a classic style episode this week, though. You know? Yeah, we've not like uh, not showing too much, but we've got some interviews lined up at RailsConf, which will be fun. Yeah, that'll be really fun. We're going to be recording at RailsConf, which is going to be new. It'll be live. It'll be strange to talk to you and actually be able to see you. We'll probably be able to just share a microphone. Uh, I don't think so. It's too hard uh you know, with You're probably bring any your background noise. I'll probably just bring my Blue Yeti. Oh, you still have yours? Yeah, I think it still works. It's just collecting dust. But That'd be fun. It won't be like uh, the bike shed used to like get a room and like invite people. We're not that cool. We're we'll be in the in the handicap stall in the bathroom. <laughs> just like cram three of us in there and <laughs> have a conversation. <laughs> Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it, it goes it'll be fun i think uh i think it'll just be different we'll have to i'll have to sit facing a different direction so I'll pretend that i'm talking to you remotely <laughs> bring it on cool yeah i'm excited um i guess that'll be here in just a couple weeks now yeah so and it's been well, it's been strange for us not to uh because we we got ahead of our schedule and haven't recorded for like two weeks so we're, we're probably a little rusty. Yeah. And this is like the first time we've in like this in like a few months where we haven't like recorded and then posted immediately. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this is the first time we'll do that. So usually we schedule them out now. We feel it's like we've been pros. I know we were super professional, but uh, yeah. Well, cool, man. It was good catching up and I will uh, talk to you next week. All right, man. We'll see you. See ya.